Hello and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we chalk it all up to synergism as we discuss the greatest television show of all time, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're tackling the 92nd episode in the series, Two Road Together. Good old synergism. <laughs> yeah, synergism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You have no I idea like what one, I'm talking I think... about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like this one. I think... Uh... It's got like, you know, it's got some really lovely um, poignant moments from like, you know, what the show's supposed to be about originally, which is just the age, right, that these women are at. And like very, I don't know, I really like the parts where Dorothy, Dorothy talks about and then also does the thing where she just sort of stares at Sophia, like <laughs> as if you're trying to capture, um, you know, a moment in time. I find myself like doing that. I mean, not, not super creepy staring, but like, even with my kid, like trying to do things where you suddenly have that realization that like the present is not going to be here forever, or at least this like moment. And like per- currently with my kid, it's like, she's got this like cute little squeaky voice, right? You know, she's like tiny. <laughs> and like, occasionally I'll be like, Oh my God, like she's, she's going to grow up. This is crazy. So I just like stare at her face and like try to mark it in my brain. Yeah. And you know, luckily she's not uh, an adult, so she doesn't say, mom, what the hell are you doing? Um, but uh, <laughs> I just wait till preteen years for that to happen. But, yeah, not yet. <laughs> but I, I understand the inclination, especially in today's society where we really don't do a good job of being present. Um, and we're constantly always like, you know, thinking ahead or just like dwelling on things that happened before and you're just like not in the moment. So even though it like sounds creepy and obviously there are some great jokes in this episode about that act, <laughs> I think it's actually really touching. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, um, one thing I really like about this episode is that it's nice that they don't make like death so central to Sophia's character or her yeah. arc. Like it obviously comes up, but I do think it's nice or I think it's um, smart to have an episode that where it is central to the plot because it would be unrealistic to think that nobody's considering it. Right. Um, and I also think like we in the West have such a, um, an unhealthy relationship with death in that like all we can do is like anticipate our own grief and not, you know, like we, we just like haven't like accepted it as part of reality. I don't think like as a, as a whole. Um, And so I think all of that is sort of like baked in here and our, so like, I think Dorothy's, response to it of just trying to like you know freeze time as much as she can is so relatable and really honestly like the only thing that anybody feels like we can do like what do you know like when you're thinking about it what are you supposed to do except for try to like preserve your memories um but you can't you know and I think like that is what what Sophia has that that great line about like cutting vegetables is quality time like I think that's so also so poignant like it's so true yes it's all the mundane stuff that that's the stuff that we're that and that's why I think I like that sort of like freezing time thing even though like Dorothy's obviously the whole point of this storyline is that she's trying to force fit like a a like we are now having fun start yeah you know? <laughs> like exactly quality time go <laughs> um which isn't realistic and that's the whole point but that at the same time that like you should be like really present and thinking about how quality time is cutting vegetables, right? You should just be enjoying that time. It's not like you have to have this major, like, realization each time. 
But I do think, to your point of us here in the West, where you're just like, the reason Dorothy goes off this like weird <laughs> PowerPoint presentation, you know, slideshow nonsense, and like gets nuts out where like totally ignoring what Sophia actually wants to do with her not that much left life is um, because we're, we, we have this like wacky idea because we, we don't believe that the mundane pieces are like what we're going to think of. But if you ask and, and ask anybody who's got, lost somebody or who is trying to remember somebody or just like any of those, there's so many anecdotes of like, I remember these little things. I remember like the way that, you know, my grandmother grabbed her keys or, you know, when she was leaving the, the house or cutting vegetables or like other things like that it's never usually like this one big event (laughs) that really came to mind yeah and like the whole like trip down memory lane like I feel like there's also you know Sophia says like I'd like my life to flash before my eyes when when I'm dead or you know when I'm dying and it's like you can't force somebody to like have this in memoriam experience while they're still alive you know and (laughs) I think that it's fine if that's your emotional response to it but there's no you know like if Dorothy wanted to just like go through those things like you know whatever that's fine but I do think there's this impulse to try to like make people take the journey with you particularly when it's somebody that you're thinking about losing and you just can't like you can't you know mold it into something that's going to be this like wonderful experience that you remember when also there is something you could do that would be a wonderful experience that you would remember is just like go on space mountain totally totally and to your point like if if that would be how Sophia likes to process things like if she was a very nostalgic person and like that she was into that that's fine but you can't force anybody else to do that and it's the same thing with like with grief and grieving like everybody does it differently and there's a lot of times personally where I've seen like other people are trying to control the way others grieve or you know saying like that's not appropriate to be laughing right now or like think you know things of that nature and you're just like you don't even know what's going on so similarly you you can't put yourself into somebody's shoes who's just trying to have a good time on one of their last vacations possibly you know so it's really interesting yeah. Um, in uh, in Jim Colucci's Bible, you know, um, the Golden Girls Forever, um, Barry Fanaro, you know, he talks about how he got this idea for this episode because he actually, his wife's grandmother um, told him that before she died, she wanted to ride Space Mountain <laughs> at, Disney, at Disneyland, um, not Disney World, of course, but um, they apparently she was 90 years old and they did take her. Which yeah, awesome. you love that. So I just, That's I know. so cute. Exactly. I just love that that part was real. You know, it's very realistic and, and very adorable. Um, they also talked about like, um, Robert Bruce, who was the writer on this episode, said the only disappointment he had, because this was his favorite episode he wrote, um, was that they didn't actually get to show like Sophie and Dorothy going on the ride in Space Mountain. He's like, it didn't make sense because like it was Touchstone, which is owned by Disney. So like, why can't we take them to Disney? But, yeah. But um, he's like, the voiceover worked well, which I think it does. You know, it's fun. And they actually have like the, the lights um, 
I remember the first time I rode Space Mountain was definitely after I'd seen this episode several times. I was like, oh, cool. The lights do look like that. Yeah, no, it looks totally real. And I feel like, I guess, like, well, budget-wise. It is Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's the whole thing. But they just had to voice over. They couldn't, like, actually show them getting on the cars, you know? Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, budget-wise, to even shut that down for, like, an hour is probably, like, probably <laughs> outside of. <laughs> totally. Totally. That's hilarious. Um, but, yeah. But, anyway, I, you know, so... In, in the you know the big scheme of things like i really do love how this episode starts and obviously to your point we've we've covered death in a lot of ways including like sophia trying to you know like actually being sick and potentially you know people thinking she's dying and this is a little different take of just being reminded of mortality um by going to somebody else's funeral and by the way dorothy looks so badass in her funeral outfit and like fully in black she's got like an orange tiger tiger stripe blouse yeah and these earrings she looks super hot i know i wrote the dorothy's funeral garb is like tiger i really like the animal print um it's nice and it it does feel appropriate for a funeral even though it's like you know kind of got some edge it's an 80s miami funeral this is exactly yeah you need almost like a gay funeral in new orleans (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i really like it and i also think it's like there's a lot of really good jokes when Sophia's like, she was, but we've grown apart. I think her death had something to do with it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you totally. know, it's still light enough to be funny, but um, it must be really awful when you're, you have to go to a funeral like every week because your friends are just like oh dropping like flies, you know, like, and Seriously. I feel like that's an experience of, um, I think they talk about it on Grace and Frankie actually, where like, if you're in your seventies or eighties, you know, it probably starts happening more frequently than I'm sure it starts happening more frequently. And like, maybe it's like their parents first and then it's like your actual friends. And that just must be something that's so, so hard to cope with. And so in addition to Dorothy's own sort of like fears about Sophia, I'm sure it's also really difficult to watch your mom sort of like navigate that herself, you know? And I think there is like a, an inclination between Dorothy and Sophia to try to like take the other one's emotions and like be responsible for the other one's emotions, which is like not healthy or yeah. good, but understandable. And Correct. I feel like Dorothy's also sort of dealing with that. And then when she has that whole, like, she's not the only one, you know, and she like kind of goes I off know. into the kitchen. It's like, oof. I know it's such a rough line, like in the best way, you know, like that really captures it so well. Um also, I feel like if you were to choose how you would die, like in the top three would probably be playing bingo. Am I right about yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, that's kind of amazing. <laughs> oh, holy shit. But so when they're chatting, you know, um, the whole like, they're, they're talking about Tunder and everything and at the, at the uh, table for the, the B story, which is pretty weak. <laughs> Because when does Blanche draw? But anyway. I know. I like it. But there is like so many concessions that you have to. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're just like, all right, let's keep it here. She's um, just doodling for fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hilarious. It's funny, actually, because in, in Colucci's book, again, they, they have there's a whole, this, this whole commentary about how like at this point with like hiring new writers and other things, like there never was a show Bible, right? So as we all know, as avid fans, like the inconsistencies are like ridiculous, right? So they're talking about the age of Sophia and like the age of Dorothy because they start talking, you know, later in the episode about, I'll remember that spring day in 1920, you know, and um, how things are just like not consistent at all. But I think it's really funny too, because then we, we don't have these like age or family consistencies, but then these other things like 
since when is Blanche like an actual artist? <laughs> yeah, I guess like she has a lot of leisure time, so like I buy that she has some hobbies, but she works yeah, at like, a museum. She's... <laughs> right. And she wants to write a children's book. It's all none of it makes sense. <laughs> I know. It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, but I love that so when they're still talking about this at the table, um <laughs> she, you know, Blanche makes a crack about so it was like, you know, the Tundra the Mediocre became Tundra the Magnificent. And she's like, well, I guess you didn't want to change the monogram on his towels. And she looks at Dorothy and starts giggling at her own joke, which I think is so cute because, one, it's very Blanche of, like, aren't I funny? <laughs> you yeah, know, like, it's true. <laughs> like, very, like, self-absorbed and, like, this way to gain acknowledgement from the queen of sarcasm and, like, jokes, um, Dorothy. But also kind of to cheer Dorothy up, you know? I think that that's really sweet. And I can see... I don't know. I feel like uh, my core friends, as well as me, as well as a person, I feel like in these moments of grief, I I try to be funny. Like I try to lighten the mood because I just know like even a small smile like on my friends' faces will be at least a little bit of levity, you know? So I, I can see that in what Blanche is trying to do, even though she's also just trying to be like, I'm hilarious, aren't I? No, totally. <laughs> it's a very cute, it's just a cute moment. And I, I think that that moment is like the only moment that these two the a and the b story connect and it's like it's actually sweet so yeah it is very sweet (laughs) um i also love the running it's like a it's like a one two sort of thing but the joke about shady pines and sophia feeling like (laughs) there's a possibility of that she's going (laughs) you know there's like the lanyards but what i love so much is when she calls the airline (laughs) and it's like the arrangements to take my mother let's go over the arrangements (laughs) it's so like it feels a little bit different than a lot of the other writing um because it's like a follow-through on the looming threat of shady pines yes yes um which we don't really see like not so many other people get pulled into it like she never calls shady pines and is like is there a room for me you know right, like of course um but it's really funny i like it a lot yeah and you're so right and i think you know a few episodes back we talked about how like you can feel the writing taking a turn a little bit and again it's new writers hired they're getting punchier as we'll see with the next two episodes storylines which are like what yeah <laughs> but you know it's getting like it's like getting goofier and they're playing more with some of the tropes which is funny because like the irony of what we were just talking about which is like there was no show bible and there's a lot of inconsistency but to your point this joke is like a cont- it's like the next step the next logical step from all of like the shady pines references in the past seasons um also, like, while she's calling the airline, her little, like, pink travel it's pantsuit. So <laughs> it's I so cute! I want cute. it. <laughs> I know, it's so great. Um, but yeah, so then, you know, the exchange is they're, they're finally leaving and she has at least some sort of trust. You know, I just, I love the, you get, like, a great joke and then probably one of the most racist comments a show yep. has ever made. Bad. So the, the R-O-S-E sewn on the back it's really cute yeah. like rose is just like oh you know those girls they love it yeah that'd be great <laughs> rose <laughs> the sunshine cadet troop is like you know something that exists in continuity um yeah. and there's another joke that they reuse when sophia's in the bathroom for too long and she's like painting a fresco on the ceiling yeah, like it's there's exactly. a, you know the sistine chapel so there is some like I don't know if you'd call it continuity exactly, but like a thread of the old writers, you know, and the new writers sort of yeah. synergizing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you can definitely chalk it up to that. <laughs> but um, 
but I honestly think, I mean, man, maybe we should do a catalog of like the most racist comments ever, but like that about like the like be careful like about your ride to the airport because the guy is wearing a turban, like holy shit. That yeah. doesn't even like there's not even there's not even like that weird I actually didn't pay attention. I was so shocked by how intense that comment was that I didn't even pay attention to whether the audience actually laughs or not. Because sometimes you can actually hear the audience react of like, huh, not supposed to be laughing at this kind of thing. And by the way, white people, obviously in the audience, because I can't imagine anybody else laughing at that. But um, right. it's, uh, it's really, yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> it's really Christ. bad. And I think that um, it's like, uh, well, I know the audience doesn't, like recoil like i also my notes are i'm sure similar to yours and it's like my i have like wow in all caps like yeah yeah, totally um yeah it's like it one thing i will say about like the progress of society is like you couldn't sometimes they say stuff on the show and i'm like oh man like that's so bad but you you would see it on some like you know last man standing or some like terrible show or something on on network tv but i feel like this is yeah like this is so far from what would get on tv now which is obviously good (laughs) correct yeah that wouldn't even even sneak in like there's no way you know and i would hope that unless you wrote for last man standing or whatever other fucking horrible show um podcasts notwithstanding um but like yeah. you would be like no writer would even start that joke you know right. like you would you would just be like this isn't even funny i don't know what's the joke here you're insulting people who wear turbans like give me a fucking break right and what the anyway. bad drivers what is that does that even i don't even know that, is that... <laughs> i don't even know exactly what are you talking about jesus it's Christ, racist and know? stupid <laughs> well it's funny because the first time you know like there there's like this not to like go into like levels of racist jokes but like the the first time we see Sophia, you know, she's like, I need, you know, my my cab driver doesn't speak English, like, oh right, a six seven dollar tip, you know, that whole thing, and like, there's definitely a whole commentary on like taxi drivers aren't white and they're usually foreign and you know all this kind of stuff, but like this one is like, I don't even know what you're trying to say. <laughs> I know, no, exactly, yeah, it's like, it's just like a cheap, it's time extremely to make a joke cheap, yes. about somebody's culture who's not white it's so it's bad it's, it's terrible it's, it's lazy just it's fucking bad and we yeah. won't even give any more airtime to it because it's so dumb yeah um let's move on to one of the funniest lines <laughs> from the worst line to the funniest line oh. <laughs> you know how it is when you can't get something out of your head oh yeah water's the worst <laughs> like on paper a perfect example of a line that on paper is like chuckleable but Betty White's delivery puts it over the edge for me that it's so funny because she's just being so earnest. Oh, yeah. What is the worst? <laughs> she's so Rose is like peak Rose in this episode. Yes. Um, she's so innocent and like sweet. But I don't know, like when later when she's like, uh, what if I refuse? And she's like mad yeah. about the way that Blanche is. <laughs> she forgot the little <laughs> like the hat with the propeller on it it's like um melvin the loneliest sea otters (laughs) it's so genuine and i feel like that same thing when she's like oh water and then she talks about like using her bathing cap it's like she's so (laughs) earnest like you said in her response that it's just impossible not to like feel like warm about her exactly i'm i'm kind of iffy as i sort of mentioned of like on the the tuner story <laughs> and honestly the 
the sort of fight that they have as well like the uh you know that whole argument scene that you were talking about because i don't know it just it just seems like very contrived kind of thing it just seems very wacky um or i I don't know it's just like a light kind of fight yeah very (laughs) much there's not a lot of substance to it there um but um but yeah i think you know it it is like a it is a funny thing i think it follows the um the lily story a little bit where it's like you know oh our father used to take us just behind the barn and pretend that we were you know going far away and she's like what do you mean just behind the barn like (laughs) these like things from her childhood where she's like i called my sister and she's like look at this book that's already written yeah and she gets like she's like mad about it like when she's telling blanche and blanche is like what do you mean she's like did i just slap into swedish like she's annoyed I don't think she's so much, like, mad at herself for believing it, but she's mad that, like, her project isn't going to work out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. It is kind of funny. And then Hansel and Hansel I have sounds like a gay porn. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I think Hans Christian Lackehoven is the best joke in the entire B story. It's really good, yeah. (laughs) It just kind of comes out of nowhere. It's really simple, and it just has that... I mean, they do that several times with, like, you know... um, like having like you think she's gonna say a regular famous you know person's name and then it just has a scandinavian twist like there's a lot of you know instances like that yeah. but that one just comes out of nowhere and is really great yeah um i appreciate that about that part <laughs> um i also love love so much the scene with sophia in the bar it's like oh that's God. another piece i feel like that where you can see there's like sort of new writers or new ideas is like them sort of like making a parody of something else that's so iconic is yes i don't recall that ever happening before but it it really lands it's so funny yeah yeah i think it's great it's it's actually kind of funny because we'll talk about this in two episodes with like fiddler on the ropes but like when they there's the merchant of venice quote and it's it's you're right i think it's like a new writer type of thing but like the twist on casablanca and like yeah (laughs) You know, I definitely saw this episode before I saw Casablanca, right? Like, oh, I, yeah, you know, for sure. like, oh, okay, then, you know, and then just like how they serious... stole that from the Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh my God. <laughs> but like, you know, <laughs> stop it. You know what I want to hear. No, I don't. <laughs> and just the, the really serious nods to this beautiful man's voice, and then just, it's a small world. <laughs> so all. funny. It's so amazing. And like, Oh, God. I mean, that whole scene, like you said, the set is great. There's, like, the ashtray the size of a hubcap on every single table, by the (laughs) way. Like, talk about the 80s, even though it's fucking Disney. And (laughs) she lapses into the thousand points of light talking about... It makes me laugh every single time. I turn to my wife, Barbara. I, like, (laughs) die. Because the timing is so good because she speeds up. I turn to my wife, Barbara, and then poor (laughs) Dorothy cuts her off perfectly because they're so in sync with the way the timing is and it's so fucking funny and then just like especially because that scene is where they have the heart to heart about like you you know for magical moments like you can't hold on to them forever and then as per usual you know when we get too serious we like dive right back in of like geez Dorothy you sure know how to beat a metaphor to death (laughs) and it's 
so perfect because you know Dorothy is a linguist like she normally would appreciate yes. that but she's so emotionally sort of raw that like she needs to like it's therapeutic for her to kind of yeah. connect that out loud she has to um, verbally process it yeah, yeah and it's really it's funny <laughs> it just like it's perfect totally their like back and forth is just so it's so good exactly well I think it's funny because I think because she's a words person like that's why she has to process it out loud by speaking right. to it even if it's just like Sophia's like yeah you get it yeah it's a <laughs> we're metaphor. on the same page Jesus Christ <laughs> Dorothy what's a metaphor um yeah it's I mean it's it's incredible and I think <laughs> Also, just um, just even the the top of that scene when when Sophia is drinking what appears to be whiskey, which I'm like, yeah, well, that's what I thought too. Hot damn, girl! Um, just like she has the perfect affect of a depressed person in a bar. The <laughs> like, face when she's like listening to him play, it's like <laughs> it's yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. She had to walk into mine. I mean, yeah. oh, you played it God. for her. You can play it for me. <laughs> he's protesting yeah. it's so great <laughs> oh shit but yeah it's the entire you know and going back to prior to that scene right where like everybody be like oh my god i would like explode at my daughter be like we are not staying inside you wackadoodle like give me a break i really love you know where she's like they're for you they're for us they're for later let's go <laughs> yeah it's it's really funny and you know what else that suite is so nice and the suite at yeah. disney world where are you getting this money pay the roofer <laughs> yeah seriously oh um, and when she's running around to steal the towels and then she has that moment where she takes out the bible and it's like nah like that's also so funny oh, she's it's like so great. the little shuffle run with like two runs of towels super Perfect. speedy i know I Very also love, <laughs> I love that, exactly. I love that, um, clam, like, the literal clamshell phone. <laughs> I know! She's oh, my God. Going better <laughs> if I had a screwdriver. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, the the whole, like, where she's like, how the hell do I remember anything? You know, I still look for Ed Sullivan on Sunday nights. Like, that part is really amazing to me because... Sophia, more than anybody in this, sh- any of the three characters in this show, does actually live in the moment, and a lot of that is because she is so old and she's lived so much life, and she knows that that's just how you process things. Part of it is because she is a little bit afraid of feelings sometimes, right. but I think um, <laughs> it makes so much sense of like where she's like, "How the hell should I know who any of this is?" But I love the like, "Oh, Pop's such a bad photographer. Like this guy's head's cut off," and she's like. <laughs> talking about her uncle oh yeah yeah that's exactly how she how he looked in the morgue after he turned state's evidence against benny the blade (laughs) (laughs) it's really perfect it's such a great encapsulation and she is at that moment with that delivery is just so pissed off like she's so like i i really want to help you dorothy i know what you're going through but this is ridiculous (laughs) yeah and you can i mean understandably like you came all the way here this is what we're doing. <laughs> I know. Seriously. My God. Um, also, incidentally, uh, I will say Disney World's lightning policy. <laughs> I looked it up. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Because Space Mountain, is, as you may know, is an indoor ride. I did, yes. Um, so it's, it's kind of, which also surprised me, even though I shouldn't have surprised me with the whole, like, laser show. <laughs> kind yeah. Of thing. But um, apparently, 
according to howtodisney.com, and this is modern, right? This is not necessarily in the 80s, but if lightning strikes within 10 miles of the park, it's Disney policy for all outdoor rides to be shut down, which is fascinating. So I don't think, you know, it's ba- they're basically like, like they might close it down, but usually there are rain or shine rides, which include Space Mountain. So, well, maybe they just don't want to go in the rain and thunder. Fair. I would say, like you know, Fair. that's interesting though. So you could just like, I feel like that's dangerous. No, just like wonder. Well, but park I, I, but I also think they have fuck ton of lightning rods. You know, like I think that that's the whole idea. I'm not really sure. I'm not. Right. If if anybody wants to tweet at us, who is a Disney fanatic? I'm, I'm looking at you, Chris. Um, yeah, our, our golden. Guy. That's <laughs> in my notes too. Chris loves Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chris from Golden Girls Posters, let us know um, what you think, but uh, other people as well, if there's like different policies. But to me, it was just funny because, again, to your point, we came all the way fucking down here. We haven't experienced it. And like, put on a poncho. Yeah. I don't think that would stop us. It's one ride that you want to go on. Exactly. It's a great time. (laughs) Right. I know. That's what I'm saying. You know, Barry Fanero's uh, wife's grandmother did it, you know, so why not? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah i was just laughing because it's like i never would have thought of that other than the fact that i've been to disney world and have navigated such i feel like there's a thunderstorm in florida every day yeah <laughs> for know? sure definitely it's in orlando Rains exactly every day. exactly this isn't disneyland in california come on come on i know um but uh the other what was the other thing i wanted to say oh about the slideshow scene i i feel like they never say tandem bike on this show they always say bicycle built for two <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe his tandem bike was too out of the, like, mainstream lexicon. Like, people might not know what that means. I guess so, yeah. I mean, and then obviously there's the song, like, Bicycle yeah. Built for Two, which is pretty right. pretty famous. But I think it's just hysterical because it always sounds, like, stupidly poetic where you're just like, just say what it is, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, great. I also love that it's, it's not on Golden Pond and you're not Jane yeah, Fonda. Totally. Um, this is very peak Jane Fonda time because I think in, I don't know if it's the next episode or the episode after that, but there's another reference to Jane Fonda. Yes. Um, yeah. And so it's like, there, you know, there's so many. I feel like it's, uh, they're really trying to capitalize on that name recognition. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, even like on Golden Pond was, you know, first season right. we had on Golden Girls as the spoof of the episode with David. So it's right. kind of interesting, like literally obviously anybody who does anything for the golden girls loves jane fonda because who doesn't um right so. that's true who doesn't <laughs> um don't answer that uh but <laughs> no anyway. one i know <laughs> no one i know exactly that's what i'm saying um but anyway i think you know it, it really ends very well and like i said at the top of the episode i think the way that Dorothy comes around like it's really understandable the way she's behaving but then she sort of understands like what she's doing in the moment and not like I think she logically would even know it if she saw somebody else doing that and she would give the kind of advice that Sophia gives to her to herself if it was her advising Rose or Blanche right of talking about like you can't trap a lightning bug without air <laughs> um but you know it's funny because like you know when you're grieving and when you're worried about all of this stuff you are worried that you know cutting vegetables isn't enough and you know when she talks about like i live in the same house and i don't even know i mean i think that that's something i've also been thinking about too with like my marriage and the fact that it's like year three of just spending like every waking moment with my husband and making sure like well we haven't had like a proper date night but we're also just doing life right like in in like that's the kind of stuff 
cutting vegetables, whatever, sitting on the couch watching TV that you have to kind of appreciate, you know? Yeah. And because um, that that's fucking life, man. We're not going to Space Mountain every other weekend. That's for sure. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so and uh, thank God we don't have, you know, slideshow projectors anymore because, man, those are rough. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. I, you know, and I remember being a little kid when I was at my grandmother's. I thought it was so cool. Like, I love oh, when they same. would pull that out. But then, you know, I, have, I similarly feel like to Sophia have like a very low tolerance for nostalgia especially when i'm not in the in the place for it like yes so i don't know i don't need to watch home movies you really you really are sophia so i know great. i know you said afraid of feeling i was like oh she ran like that's me yeah <laughs> exactly oh, and i'm God. dorothy i'd be the one that's like bothering you all the time and lauren let's remember this and you're like no shut up yeah <laughs> let's go have a whiskey drink in the bar yeah <laughs> Um, just two more mentions, um, towards the end is obviously like when <laughs> we were just like, we've been writing stories that have already been written. Like Betty, were, Betty White has like a great smirk on her face when she goes, they do it all the time on Mr. Belvedere. Yeah, dig. <laughs> I know. I used to love that show too. That was one of my faves. Um, also the Mr. Belvedere theme song is like, really... Oh, the theme song is great. I yeah. always thought the show was kind of boring, but I think I was yeah. really young. I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it was probably boring, but it was like comforting in a way. I don't know. I see it. Yeah. yeah it was pretty nice. Um, but also Blanche's line of like, no, I'm thinking about a place out at the beach where the waves break so hard they knock the bathing suits right off the men coming out of the water. Back to Blanche. Yeah, I love it. Right back to Blanche of where her head is at. It's great. And she's like, let's salvage this day. And it's, it's a perfect, you know, it's the like very silly B story that doesn't amount to anything. It's a perfect just end to it of just like, yeah, whatever. I've always wanted to write a children's book, but right now I'm just horny. Yeah. Yeah. I love moving on. <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> Well, that's all I've got for two road together. Yep, that's it for me too. All right, perfect. Well, join us next time. We're going to discuss parasocial relationships, sweaty Argentinian cowboys, and one of the best covers of the Neutron Dance that exists. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs>